Hi, everybody. So let me read it for us, um, and we'll jump right into the time of the message. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening, of, uh, opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. That is God's word. Uh, please uh, bow your hands with me and let's uh, pray together before we go any further. Heavenly Father, we uh, come before you humbly, uh, wanting to hear from you, God. God, apart from you can do nothing. Apart from you, there is no life. There is no um, breath. You are the source and author of everything. So we come to you longing to be fed by you and sustained by you. And we remember uh, today too how we're celebrating the, the emancipation of slavery, uh, or from slavery rather, and um, we celebrate the fact that um, there was recognition of human dignity uh, through that as we also grieve uh, all the other evils that happened before that. Um, and as we uh, pray this, Lord, um, uh, we also look to uh, restoration of um, all the strifes that we see because of um, the race and all the other things in, th in this dark world. So may you um, come against you. And, uh, but may you also point us to um, spiritual emancipation. Uh, through the gospel. So we turn to your word. May you um, give our hearts your spirit to see you clearly and uh, to hear you clearly. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, three points uh, for us uh, to help us follow along. Uh, those are the gravity of spiritual battles. Uh, second, the weapons of spiritual battles, and third, 
the experience of spiritual battles. And uh, the title for this message is Overcoming uh, Spiritual Battles. So as you can tell right away, it'll be about spiritual battles, and I hope that it'll be helpful as it is um, inevitable for us to go through uh, you know, spiritual battles in our lives as believers. So first, uh, gravity, the gravity of spiritual battles. Look with me to verse 10. Uh, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. The key words there are in the Lord and also in the strength of His might. Now, Paul is saying, Paul is exhorting the Ephesians to find their strength not in themselves or in anybody else's or in other resources, but only in God. And verse 11 will pretty much reiterate this point. So read with me here. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be, be able to stand against the scheme of the devil. But the phrase armor of God is what we're going to be learning uh, in a moment. But even without the explanation for that, we get right away what Paul is trying to say again, that you, know, you shall not rely on yourself in your own strength in this spiritual battle. You shall rely on God. The question at this point then is why? Why does Paul keep repeating that we should rely on God, not uh, in ourselves or any other people or means? The answer is found in the, the verse, same verse and then the next verse. The answer is, it's because our fight is against the devil. So we read in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You know, these are all synonyms, you know, authorities, um, you know, rulers, these phrases all synonyms for the devil and the demons, you know, his uh, workers of evil. Uh, and these are all different shades, different aspects of uh, manifestations of evil that uh, devil, uh, you know, displays in the world. So Paul's basically stating the fact that, you know, believers you know, have formidable and even overwhelming and even scary enemy uh, in front of them. Namely, that this is cosmic uh, force of evil, which is the devil. So therefore, Paul uh, concludes this section in verse 13, saying, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. He's essentially saying, do not ever think for a moment that you can somehow face this enemy. He is the devil. He is so much more powerful. You have no idea. He can destroy you. Don't ever think that you can face him head on with your own strength. Rely on God. So we get that. But now I want you to not miss this one word uh, or phrases that Paul repeats in this 
passage, in, in fact, in, in, in the entirety of uh, today's passage, which is stand or stand firm or withstand. These are all related words that Paul's repeating here. That's important because, you know, Paul is basically saying that our job is not to conquer the enemy. He didn't say, you know, jab or punch or charge to the enemy. He says, stand, meaning hold your ground. What that means is the conqueror is Jesus. You know, throughout the book of Ephesians, we see over and over that on the cross, Jesus you know, overcame and conquered and destroyed and defeated the cosmic rulers and authorities. Uh, that's where the same words found in chapter 1. And by the way, cross is his victory over his enemies, uh, over Satan, uh, because you know, through the cross, now that the believers' sins are forgiven, so Satan cannot do anything ultimately towards the believers. He lost his weapon through the cross. That's why that's, his, that's victory for Jesus and his people. And the book of Ephesians also went on saying that Jesus, after defeating Satan and his enemies, uh, he ascended into heaven. He sat down at the right hand of God. They're ruling as a king over the world, over the universe. Uh, he's there right now. And he'll, he'll stay there until he come back uh, in the end to completely cast out the devil and his demons. That's the reality here. He has already defeated their power. It's just a matter of time uh, that these enemies will be uh, permanently extinguished. Uh, but until then, there's already and not yet reality. And yet, the victory is certain. So you see, in this cosmic, you know, with this the struggle with this scary enemy called the devil, the believers can take heart because their job is not to conquer that enemy, but the enemy has already been conquered, and our job uh, is not to be the hero, but to stay with Jesus, who has already conquered uh, the enemy for us, to stay safe in the fortress of Christ. So, wrapping all up, of what we've been saying. Again, he's repeating over and over that do not be foolish. Do not rely on yourself, but rely on God. And not only that, um, you know, you are weak in front of the enemy devil, but guess what? God is the conqueror and he will fight for you. Your victory is certain. So rely on God. Take heart. Uh, to illustrate that, uh, so I have a younger sister uh, who I'll be visiting, I uh, guess, in a few days. Uh, she lives in you know Philly area. And she's working there, and uh, her and I are uh, four years apart. And so what that means is, when I was a sixth grader, you know, she was a second grader, and uh, you know we're I think the same elementary school and, and so on. So in that year, at that time. Uh, you know, apparently one of the boys in her classroom was being silly and was kind of being mean to her and, you know, just, you know, picking on her. 
So she uh, came up to me uh, and she asked me to come to her classroom and do something about this for her. And uh, just to give you a context at the time, so I was sixth grader. Um, and some of you might know, I think I shared this you know, here and there, but I had a crazy growth spurt uh, early on. So at that time, at sixth grade, I was already between you know, five and six feet tall. Um, so when I arrived at my sister's classroom, the kids were all freaking out. And I can't remember what I did when I got there. I, I don't think I went into the classroom, but I was standing outside of the classroom right be, uh, beside the door. And I think I was trying to like look scary. You know, I was trying to like look tough. Uh, but then I, there's no manual for this. I'm like, what do I, what else do I do after this? So I was like, I think this is enough. I think I did my job. So I left. But apparently, whatever I did worked. Uh, so apparently the kids, including that boy, was giving her a hard time. Uh, you know, they were talking about me while they're, you know, looking at me that day, and they're, they're saying, oh, that's her brother. He's so tall and scary. So afterwards, apparently, you know, well, I no longer heard from my sister any of, you know, troubles or problems. So it apparently worked. Well, I share that because I think it's similar spiritually too. You know, when we are by ourselves, uh, you know, only have our own means, you know, the devil is, again, so much more powerful than us. And then the devil will bother us and you know, even torment us. So we need somebody else outside of us, outside of our room, so to speak, who is much bigger than us and Satan, and that is God. But here's where the illustration breaks because you know, God didn't just try to look scary to Satan, but he actually sent his son, Jesus, to actually defeat Satan, to show who truly is the king. So therefore, when we look at the cross, when we look at the resurrection and his ascension, we can stay grounded and find strength in him and do not fear. So that's the gravity of the situation. It's scary fight, but we can still take heart. Second, the weapons of spiritual battles. So now we're going to study and understand what the armor of God means, what those pieces in the armor you know, signify. But before we go on, I think I have to explain um, you know, what exactly the attacks of the, uh, the devil looks like you know, in our lives. Because I think it can have a lot of you know, misconception. Um, you know, like what does it mean that the devil attacks us? Uh, I think when you get this, I think it'll, uh, it'll be easier for us to understand what the armor of God really means. So uh, stay with me here. Uh, let me actually try to uh, share a story with you to explain what uh, the devil's attacks look like many times in our lives. Uh, the story goes like this. Um, as many of you know, I was a youth pastor uh, for three and a half years in my old church in Wisconsin. And uh, in one of the years, I uh, led a team of my high school students to Mexico uh, for a mission trip. 
And throughout the trip, the, the, the way the trip went was uh, the, the mission organization that we worked with, uh, they would, you know, take us around and they would, um, you know, take us to a, a village and we would present our, the gospel through skits and also try to, you know, evangelize people there. And this one day uh, during the trip, uh, the, the guide person uh, for our team uh, told us before he took us to this village that the village that we are about to go to had a, uh, you know, notoriety, uh, uh, had a reputation of being or having demonic activities. And uh, so on the way there in our vans, because they, the, my students heard that, they're all freaking out. I think they're all, you know, thinking about, you know, all the horror movies where they saw, you know, demons possessing people and, you know, things like that. So I had to, you know, calm them down, you know, first of all, explain to them from the Bible that, you know, true believers will never be possessed by the, the demons and the devil because, you know, Jesus is now the new occupant of our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So there's no possession that we have to fear. You know, things like that. So during that time, I mean, yeah, so or fast forward. Um, so we got there, and nothing crazy happened. You know, but there's no, you know, demonic possession or anything spooky uh, during the, that one day when we were ministering there. But interestingly, something did happen. Uh, one of my students was, you know, fooling around and he wasn't really following the instructions and he ended up drinking the tap water uh, in the village and uh, the organization and, and I told them not to, told him not to because it's not sanitary there. But he did it anyway, he got really sick and, and he had to be bedridden for the rest of, you know, the trip and he couldn't do anything that he was there for. And, and then the next day, another thing that happened that was strange uh, was that a very petty uh, conflict arose among our team members. It's very small things. And then they started fighting with one another, with, you know, arguments and, you know, getting really emotional to the point that, uh, you know, they started fighting in front of people that they were there to minister to. So I had to remove them from the scene and, you know, I had to bring them back to, the, to our base. So we had to stop our ministry that day with no, you know, fruits in any way. It's like that in our lives, you know, when we think about a text from Satan, meaning that to be sure, you know, I think I believe that there are, you know, some visible, you know, supernatural demonic activities that we could witness. But many times, you know, Satan attacks us um, you know, so that we get sick spiritually. You know, so that, you know, we become bedridden spiritually, so to speak. We can't do anything because we're so enslaved to our sins, addicted to our addictions. So we can't live like the people that God created us to be or redeemed us to be, if you're a believer. But also more uh, of a corporate level, you know, Satan can also arouse uh, sins in individuals so that, like we saw in my, uh, my team, they start fighting with one another. And, and there's a break and division, and the end result is the gospel is not preached. Um, and that's Satan's scheme. 
And that's what we often see. And that's what uh, I and I believe Paul means in this passage by, you know, demonic attack. You know, meaning that it, it's about uh, sin. Uh, it's about Satan arousing our sins to uh, hamper the gospel efforts. So with that in mind, uh, please follow with me. Uh, let's look at the, the uh, verses here to understand what Paul means by armor of God. In verse 14, uh, he says this. Again, stand, right? Stand your ground, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Here, Paul is actually alluding to a Old Testament passage from Isaiah 59, 17, you know, where you know, God is wearing a breastplate of righteousness to execute judgment on uh, people and to save his people from the wicked. So what that means is that when Paul uses that passage in, in our passage, Paul means that believers, when he says, wear, put on, you know, the breastplate of righteousness and, um, you know, also the belt of truth, he's saying, wear God's armor, the very armor that God wore, which is God's character, his righteousness and his truth. So that when you wear truth as your belt, you know, you rely on the truth of the gospel and the Bible as opposed to devil's lies about, you know, distorted version of the, the gospel. Or even he might lie about how some sins are not severe so we don't have to repent or can continue on, things like that. But truth, uh, people of the truth, they stay with the gospel. And also when he says they are to wear uh, God's righteousness, what that means is this glorious truth of the gospel, which is justification. You wear righteous, uh, righteousness on your chest so that when devil you know, despair us, despairs us by reminding us of our, of our sins and failures, we say to him head on that, I'm covered with righteousness of Christ. There's no more condemnation in me. When God looks at us, he looks through the, the righteousness of Christ. And that is the glorious reality for uh, believers. So now, next few verses basically reiterate uh, the point that we just saw. So verse 15, it says, As shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I think that the picture you want to have there is, um, you know, keeping your boots on, uh, meaning you're ready for a fight. You're ready for the battle. And the, the curious thing here is that the readiness is given or caused by the gospel of peace. So same concept there. You get ready, you feel ready because you know your identity given by the gospel. The gospel is about peace, meaning because of blood of Christ, I have peace with God. He no longer looks at me as an enemy, but he loves me as a son and daughter. And from there, I can also extend my peace to other people and even attempt reconciliation. And so that gospel of peace gives me you know, solid identity 
that I don't have to strive for other things. No, I have peace in me. My life is fine when things are not going fine. So I'm ready for any attacks from the enemy. And it gets going there. In verse 16, it says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. It's a very simple concept here, meaning it all comes down to your faith. It all comes down to whether you trust and believe in the reality of the gospel. Because if you don't believe, if you don't have strong faith in what God has done for you and who you are in Christ, you'll fall apart. But if you know who you are because of the Spirit in you, you will stand firm no matter what comes your way. And that's what it means by faith as our shield. And lastly, verse 17, it says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Again, same thing. You know, we remind ourselves of the, our, our salvation status as a helmet. I'm secure in Christ. And then from there on, again, extinguish the lies of Satan by reciting um, God's Word. You know, that reminds us of the reality of the gospel. You know, to give an example, for me personally, whenever I, you know, think I failed before God or even my standard, and I recite this verse from Colossians 3, uh, 3 to 4, which says, For you have died, meaning you, meaning the believer, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. There I'm reminding myself, and also I'm reciting this verses to Satan at that moment that no, my life is, is hidden with God. I'm secure, I'm safe. Don't tell me that my failure can you know, shake me and destroy me. No, 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 that's not true at all because God, God's word, which is true, says I'm secure in Christ. That's how we fight. That's how we extinguish the lying darts of the devil. The Holy Spirit uses these verses to slash away all those lies. So you see, in some, the armor of God is really about the gospel, isn't it? It's really about whether you hold on dearly to the gospel of truth, the gospel of salvation, your forgiven status in God, in Christ. So that when we hold on to this reality, we will stand firm. And from there on, we do fight our sins and keep growing so that we contribute to the peace of the community. And as a community, we get to witness to the world, the gospel reality. That's what armor of God means. So let me continue the story I started earlier. So again, during our trip to Mexico, after that you know, fiasco happened in front of people that we were trying to minister to, you know, I took them, took my team back to our base. And you know, when we came back, you know, I sat everybody down around the table. And there I literally, literally I just turned to Ephesians 2 that we studied a few months ago now. 
and you know, and that chapter and that particular passage talks about the unity of the church, right? You know, between Jews and Gentiles. I literally just read the passage, and I, I said few words after that, just to explain and encourage people and ex- exhort my team members. But I think all I did really was just reading the the passage. And next thing I know, not to exaggerate in any way, there was revival in the room, like literally. We all started crying and seeing what we had done wrong. And we kept, we started saying sorry to one another. And we started hugging one another and like really having ugly cry moment with one another. And we had a deep worship afterwards. And afterwards, I think the, the way we ended the trip was really good. I think we finished the trip well. But to me, the biggest fruit of the trip, uh, it's really always after the trip, you know. Um, the, the mission trip, short-term mission trip, is really about, you know, discipling the team members. And uh, I heard afterwards that uh, some of those members, you know, went off to college and, you know, got involved in, in local churches and became, you know, faithful members. And uh, it honestly surprised me at first because, to be really honest, you know, uh, these guys weren't really enthusiastic about God, you know. So I wasn't sure whether they would get involved in, in college, uh, you know, uh, church and ministries, but they did. And uh, I was just amazed by how God used our trip to awaken them. So the point is this. First of all, uh, the spiritual attacks and battles are under God's sovereignty, meaning... The, the devil might have used uh, those moments and battles you know, to destroy us, but God uses it to build us. We have to remember that. And second, we must put on the armor of God when we're in the midst of those trials and spiritual battles. We must hold on to the truth and, and the, the gospel reality through the scriptures and use scriptures to overcome any attacks and lies that we may face. So can, we, can I encourage us, therefore, because I can say this with confidence that all of us who are believers will go through spiritual battles, um, you know, big or small. And when you go through that, your biggest weapon is the Word of God. And that's why we must swim in God's word daily. I know it can be tough many times, and I know it's cliche in many ways, you know, reading the word and, you know, things like that, but it is very true. When you're in the midst of that, what can save you and push you along is what you have deposited in your mind and heart from the word of God. That's the sword that God uses to help you during those times. So the weapons of spiritual battles. And lastly, the experience of spiritual battles. It'll be quick here. Here Paul will end the passage with an important ingredient uh, that we need in fighting spiritual battles. And that is prayer. Verse 18, he says, Praying at all times in the Spirit 
with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Simply, Paul is saying, pray hard, you know, pray persistent prayers. But then he uh, focuses the topic of prayer into this um, in a specific uh, arena, which is praying for other people, intercessory prayer. And the question then is, you know, why is that? Why is Paul telling us to pray for other people? The answer is found in the next two verses. It says, And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth, to boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Meaning that the Ephesians are to pray for other Christians, uh, particularly Paul, so that the gospel may be proclaimed in the world. That's the goal here. Not just praying in general, pray, but pray for specific people so that you know, they, they can, can proclaim, proclaim the, the gospel in the world so that they can fulfill the calling as a church. But think about it, though. You know, when, when we, we proclaim the gospel in the world, what that means is, at that moment, we have overcome the spiritual battles. Because Satan's goal is to deter us from sharing the gospel. He doesn't like people being saved. So therefore, as a result of our prayer, the gospel is proclaimed. That means we have overcome the, the devil's attacks and spiritual battles. In other words, spiritual victory comes through prayer. That's the ingredient that Paul is trying to drive home here. In other words, you know, prayer is like an activation button. The prayer is what activates the armor of God. Meaning, you know, we can try to hold on to the gospel like we, you know, saw earlier through the scriptures and we just, you know, squeeze our brain and do our best. But it won't work unless you pray that reality, unless you pray and communicate with God and ask God specifically to bear fruit in your heart. Specifically, you know, ask Him to help you overcome the devil's schemes. Unless you do that, armor of God will not be activated. Just a quick example of that. You know, I got in the mail recently a cash card. It's basically like a you know credit debit card that has you know, cash reward in it. I got it because uh, when I bought my current phone a while ago, there was a promotion. So I got you know, a good amount of money. It was a good deal uh, in, the, in the card. But the card remains as a, just a piece of plastic unless I go to the website and activate it. Then I can use it and you know, take advantage of all the money and uh, whatever is in the, in the card. And again, that's like that with the armor of God. Prayer is the activation button. We need prayer in order to 
utilize and really become the people that God wants us to be, uh, which is the armor of God, which is the character of Christ. You know, I sometimes talk with uh, other pastors, um, you know, uh, for uh, many occasions here and there. And uh, whenever we talk, just have real talk, you know, we sometimes say that, um, you know, a part of job description of being a pastor uh, is to have you know, spiritual battles every week. Um, I think especially, you know, when we prepare sermons because it's the Word of God, you know, we feel this the most. You know, like for example, you know, sometimes the most random thing happens, you know, physically or whatever, so that you have to stop working on your sermon prep and you have to, you know, take care of that so that you get distracted. Or sometimes, you know, for no obvious reason, we get this sense of despair um, out of nowhere. So we just don't feel like doing anything and feel discouraged. Just name a few challenges that um, we can have sometimes. So I think application for that, uh, from that rather, uh, for me is that, you know, just like Paul did in the passage, I have to ask you guys uh, to pray for me. Uh, you know, pray that I'll stay strong uh, against Satan's schemes. You know, again, every week, um, whenever I have to preach, uh, pray that I'll have God's joy. Uh, you know, when I prepare for sermons or uh, minister to um, people in various ways, and in terms of God's word, uh, pray that I'll speak with clarity and boldness, um, and maybe not about me in any way. I also want to share about uh, in the topic of spiritual battle. Um, I think apart from the weekly spiritual battle, I think uh, in my uh, you know years as a pastor, there are a few times in my life uh, that I experienced exceptional, exceptionally strong spiritual battles. Um, and uh, I think I kind of forgot like how strong and tough they were until I revisited my journals that I wrote during that time. And then I saw how extremely tough it was at the time. Um, I think I was literally crying tears on the, on the journal pages. It was just that hard. But I also saw that uh, I got through those battles because of prayer, because I was spending time with God and finding my true rest and refuge through the prayer. And I, I think if you look at my journal, um, uh, just like here and there, I just would like write down, you know, scripture passages, you know, like out of nowhere. Because as I pray, some, you know, verses kind of come up to me, come, come to my mind, and I, I write them down. And, and those verses would carry me through like days and weeks because I believe they are from God. They are the sort of the spirit that we just saw in the passage that God uses to um, carry us through and protect us from spiritual battles. Um, so here's what I want to end with. Again, spiritual battles 
come to every believer. And my hope as your pastor is that you do not lose heart when you face those battles. Uh, that you face, you take those battles as God's gift to you. Um, and may you grow to be more like Christ. And as you wrestle through those battles, it will be worth it. Because people will see you know, Christ-like character in you through those battles. And in the end, I believe that the gospel will be preached uh, through you know, even our pain. That's been my experience in many ways. I think uh, the more I suffer sometimes, I think the better sermon comes out. <laughs> Uh, which is not why, what I would like, but um, I think that's how God works, to humble me uh, and to show that it's all about God and His strength and His word. So let's grow together, no matter what comes our way. Let's pray. Spend some time together uh, before we uh, end with the song. Uh, and uh, so as we process this passage, um, I'm not sure. Maybe some of us could be in the middle of something um, that is just so hard to deal with for whatever reason. If you are in that place, uh, may you find hope that you are not alone. I think many times what Satan will do, Satan will do is to make us feel like we are all by ourselves. But you're not alone. Um, first, God is with you, and we are with you. Uh, we're in this together. And uh, may for those of us who you know, might be in a place where uh, things are dry, um, spiritually dry. And, uh, you know, I would think that that's spiritual battle in a form too. And my encouragement is that during this desert time, where God is molding you, and guess what? That's how God worked in the, the characters in the Bible, Moses. Paul, they all went to the desert before, before God used them for you know, His works. You know, may you stay close to the Word of God. In all this, our comfort is that Jesus has already conquered uh, death for us. He already conquered the enemy of our souls. No matter what comes our way, no matter how big Satan may look, and he is big for sure, but our God is much bigger. Let us take heart in that. But right now, would you, um, you know, pray together? As we just saw, prayer is what activates our strength in God. So let's come to God together. Ask God just honestly and um, you know, genuinely asking God to restore our hearts, strengthen us, and keep us through the dark.
valleys or whatever uh, that we might be in or we will be in. Let's pray together. Close with the prayer. Uh, again, coming on to God together. It's an interesting paradox, isn't it? That you know, reality is that we are in a wartime spiritually, uh, being attacked by uh, the enemy, uh, and yet we can still be at peace. Uh, and that's a secret of Christian life uh, that we know a peace that uh, transcends all understanding. We can be content no matter what the circumstance. Um, and that's been really uh, burdened my heart, really, uh, just thinking about um, our church and um, where God might be leading us to. And that and I'd love to see you know, us growing to be people who can face any struggles might be fluctuating up and down. And the economy is bad. Uh, the culture is all the place. So there's a lot of things that can uh, alert us and you know, shake us. But how awesome would it be if we we're just so filled with Christ that no matter what happens in this life and this world, you know, we can stand strong, stand firm. So let's pray together as a church uh, that um, that you would, that that God would um, you know, strengthen our hearts, and um, we also pray for um, you know, those of us. If you know them by name, they'll be even greater, uh, even better. That we pray. Uh, let's pray for um, those who need our prayers because of where they are in their spiritual journey and uh, their circumstances. That God would carry them through, that they would uh, stand for. So let's pray for one another, and then I'll, I'll close for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for um, the boldness that we can have in, in access to you. Uh, we never fear coming to you in prayer. God, you know where we are in each one of our hearts, in each one of our journeys. God, meet us where we are. We need your grace. Thank you that you are not uh, you know, kicking us or uh, forcing us to be a certain way, but you are meeting us where we are, giving us you know, enough grace and strength for us to ever so gradually grow and yet very certain. So give us patience with ourselves, uh, with one another, and uh, may we get to taste the sweetness of uh, your presence as we go through uh, various times, uh, individually as well as as a church. Our, all our hope is in you. The God, you, who is God of uh, angel armies, you are with us. May that 
sink deep into our hearts.